Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod and over on Facebook as well. Please go to the links in the description of all of our episodes. Be sure to follow us on all social media accounts because we give away a buttload of tickets to all these games. And hey, these basketball season is starting to dwindle down the home slate. And uh, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. These tickets are starting to get hard to come by. And rightfully so. The herd's been streaking, doing really well. A little bit of a setback. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But. Nonetheless, man, you got to be following us on social media to get in on all those ticket giveaways. And please, please head over to YouTube and uh, give us a a subscription. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel as well so you can watch us do these video podcasts. And if you want to look at our ugly faces, well, mine, Russ's hair is always immaculate. That's why I wear a hat. (laughs) But anyway, we got a lot to cover. Uh, We've got the uh, 2023 softball season preview and a little bit of a roster breakdown coming up in our featured segment. We had uh, Herd Softball head coach Megan Smith-Lyon going to join us in a little bit to talk all about Herd Softball. But before we get into all that, let's start this episode like we start all episodes with five things every herd fan needs to know this week all right and as usual our five things every herd fan needs to know this week is brought to you by ignite link the tri-state's premier it management team going to start off number one with some cool stats tavion kenzie is the first player in martial history with 2,000 points 700 rebounds and 500 assists but wait ron Pupil, there's more He is the only active player in the country right now with all three of those milestones. That's just cool, period. Like when Mm -hmm. you start talking about the only player in the country, anything, that's pretty cool. And this is where um, I often let recency bias come into play when you're talking about great players of all time. This guy's better than this player, and this guy ranks here and that. I can't do that anymore because – Tavion Kenzie across all herd players, it's not a recency bias. He's an all-time great, mm-hmm. right? And uh, as much as I like to talk about be in the moment and and show appreciation for you know what you're seeing in real time when when it comes to football, for some reason I don't often allow myself to do that from a basketball standpoint. I'm that terrible guy that likes to talk about things five years after they happen, and I'm not going to do that because. The greatness that's playing out and it's starting to come to an end here with Tavion Kenzie is just, you can't deny it anymore. He's an all-time great, and I'm really enjoying him having one of the best, if not the best, season of his career. I'm really glad he decided to come back, and it's 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 really nice to see one of the good guys have a have a have a real capping off of the career, if if you want to put it that way. We all want to hope that Marshall makes it deep tournament run and it gets an NCAA tournament bid and and there's just more to see but man it, even if none of that happens even if none of that happens these last few games in Huntington at the Cam Henderson Center should be complete sellouts for what is playing out in real time it's just so cool I'm I'm glad uh, Tavion's having the season that he's having these accolades are just great 
Yeah, it shows how well-rounded you are when you are up there at a certain milestone in assists, certain milestone in uh, rebounds. The points are the points. We talked about where he is now third all-time with a chance of taking over second and first, uh, second or first. A lot of different ways this could play out. Uh, You talked about his um, longevity. You know, he hasn't missed very many games due to injury, and that's going to play into where he kind of ends up and how we do in the tournament uh, and whatever postseason chances we have will play into this. But as he racks up these stats, there are now three more times to see him in a herd uniform at home, Mm -hmm. not on your TV, but in person. And that's coming up Saturday here at home which we're going to talk about a lot here in a minute. And then uh, later on, not this coming week, uh, we got about two weeks in a row that we're going to be gone. When they come back in February, later in February, it'll be your last two, two times to see him play. So we really need to get out there and see this greatness that, uh, that we have a chance to see in person. Yeah, I don't, and look, it's not about the individual player. He's just mm-hmm. one cog in this right. really, really fun team to watch. So get out there and watch this team operate, right? But the you don't want to go, man, you know, yeah, I'll set it to house. I'll watch it on ESPN Plus or whatever. I mean, get out there. If you've got nothing to do or even if you've got to juggle some things around to make it to the game, all of these final home mm-hmm. games should be sellouts. So there shouldn't even be a question. Every single ticket should have a butt in that seat to the point to where fans are clamoring of like, man, I wish heard heaven was open right now, but Mm -hmm. you know, we, it is what it is. Uh, That just means all the seats that are available are really good seats. That's Mm -hmm. all there is to it. So everyone should be in a seat to watch these final, what, three, four games. Was it three games? Three games. games. Yeah. All right, we're going to go over to number two, and uh, we talked many times about the Herd's one-year stint in the Missouri Valley Conference, and we're making a good showing in there. Uh, Paige Banton is the MVC Swimmer of the Week this week. She had seven wins over the week. Great effort on that. And for the second week in a row, Maya McBride is the MVC Freshman of the Week, and she herself had five wins during the week. Man, this swim and dive team is uh pretty cool. Pretty cool to mm-hmm. keep tabs on. You know, it's just uh, a lot of seems like a lot of momentum building to what could be something really cool in the Sun Belt next year. But let's not leapfrog forward till next year because some stuff really cool is happening this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that one year stop in the Missouri Valley, you know, back to back weeks, freshman swimmer of the week. I mean. Italian wins left and right. I, this is cool. This is cool stuff for a guy that really never followed swim and dive. Like I've said before, like I had a uh, teacher at Marshall when I was a student that was the swim and dive coach way back when. And I knew we were really good way back when in the Southern Conference days, but I didn't go to Marshall in the Southern, in the Southern Conference days. Right. So that was already history when I was there. So there was just this hiatus and I was a fan that fell in between I guess peaks of the program. And now it seems like we're starting to climb again and, and build another peak. And it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's pretty cool to see uh, another discipline, another athletic program, you know, on the rise for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that 
you and I have both said this about track and field, about uh, swim and dive, but it's not so much about winning the overall meet right now. Not that you don't want that, right? I mean, you want to win. You want to win that. But again, competing against yourself and when we're seeing these uh, athletes beating their personal best right now at this point, that's great to see no matter if you win the meet overall or if you finish first or second or that sort of thing. Obviously, again, you want to win them all. You know, you want to win every individual uh, event and you want to win the overall. But even when you don't do that, you see people setting personal bests or becoming the swimmer of the week for the conference or the freshman of the week for the conference. It just means you're headed in the right direction as a program. Yep, sure does. It's, I mean, and I'm going to say this a couple of times throughout this episode, but if you are like, I kind of would like to follow the swim and dive a little bit closer. Well, if you don't have the herd zone app, you need to get the herd zone app because most of these sports we talk about usually in the around the herd segment uh, that are not getting play on ESPN plus you can follow along live results usually uh, in many of those sports right through the herd zone app. So if there's a swim meet going on, if there's a tennis match going on, you can follow the scoring uh, as those games are playing out. So if you don't have the herd zone app, you should a, because it's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, you should have it because if you do herd lights at a basketball game, it's on that and you have to have it through that. And then three, you can follow a lot of these sports that won't get ESPN play or ESPN plus play most of the time. So you mm-hmm. can keep yourself informed if you're just interested about tennis or if you're just interested about swim and dive or something like that. And as a quick aside, since you brought up herd lights, that is such a cool thing that has been brought to both the women's and men's basketball uh, games. The environment is great at the cam right now for both. They've done a lot to the cam to make it look a little bit better. Things that you might not even notice. For instance, I know about this because they used one of my pieces of equipment to do it, but there was an M with the herd on top of the scoreboard with where the entrance, where the tarmac is, the biggest scoreboard, not the overhead. Mm-hmm. And it did not have the updated font the Marshall's uh, trademark font, what came down and they brought it down because of brand cohesion. Mm-hmm. So they're doing all these different things to the cam and not just those facilities, but look around at every little thing that they're doing. They're trying to make these better. And herd lights is one component of that. And the greater the environment is right now at the, the cam, I would estimate like 30% of the people are using herd lights. If 75 plus percent were using herd lights, it would just be that much greater. Mm -hmm. So get out your smartphone, which everyone has. It costs you nothing. Have the herd zone app ready to go before download it before you go to the game. And when you're in there on Saturday, have it ready to go. It Mm -hmm. tells you on the scoreboard what to do, but right after they announce everybody, uh, right before they're going to have everything on there. Fans, get out your herd zone app, get ready for herd lights. It tells you when to do it. Make it a better environment. It, it, and, and we saw how easy it is to set it up. You, you yeah. install the app, you click the menu, and you give it like three or four permissions. It's a 15-second yeah. process, yep. it, and you're good. You're good to go. I think when, when you did that and shared it on our social media, it was a 12-second clip or something like that. It was all it took after you've already downloaded the app and apps don't take that long to download, but especially this one, get in a place where you got Wi-Fi, yeah. download it, 
you're ready to go. Have it ready before you go to the cam. Don't be over there when they're getting ready to dim the lights and try to download it. <laughs> it's going to be it, too late. <laughs> get it downloaded at home and get it ready to rock. But as cool as it looks, imagine if you participated. If you're not participating at the game and you think, wow, this looks cool, imagine how much better it would look if you participated. Yeah, yeah. All right, number three, uh, this has been... I just didn't really get the years until I uh, saw this on social media, but Mark Gale calls it a career after 39 years in collegiate athletics and 33 of them have been with Marshall. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you do the math, I don't mean, I'm assuming that's either 1990 or 1991. Right. So depending on the year, he's seen it all Mm -hmm. like the, the very beginnings of the decade, the dynasty of the nineties. He started in the Southern Conference, transitioned to the MAC, transitioned to the Conference USA, and then transitioned to the Sunbelt Conference. Think of the players. Think of the seasons and the moments and the coaches and even the fans that he's seen file in and out of the Shuey Building, of Jones C. Edwards Stadium, of Marshall Stadium, before it was Jones C. Edwards Stadium, right? Yeah. I mean, man. I mean, he was he was witness to all of those moments, all of those moments that we think about and watch videos of, and we weren't there, you know, for all of them. And we, we ha- you have to find them on online. He 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 was front and center, you know, for all of that, and uh, very instrumental in the. I think the term building a culture gets it gets tossed around a lot, and I'm not sure, you know, that means different things to different people, but. I think the better the better thing that you could describe Coach Gale's career as is like a foundation, a cornerstone of the foundation of what Marshall football has been for the last three plus decades. I mean, let, let let's put that into further context. We were little kids when he started at Marshall. Little kids. Like mm-hmm. my son is this roughly the same age that I would have been when he started at Marshall. And I've seen a lot of stuff at Marshall, a lot of moments, a lot of great wins, some tough losses, great players. And you've seen even more than I have. He was there for all nine years of your undergrad. All nine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, but that's a career that, you know, I'm not sure in this day that we live in this, this, this world we live in now, especially in collegiate athletics, that too many of those careers are going to be around like mm-hmm. that. And, and I mean, you might be in collegiate athletics for 40 years, but will yeah, you but, be at one the stop? same school for 33 yeah. years? Now, yeah. Let's say you, you, he was there. What was it? Oklahoma before Marshall mm-hmm. and then Marshall, but 33 years at one stop. I just, that's, that's becoming a rarefied thing. And he saw quite a bit at Oklahoma. If you think quite about Oklahoma in the late eighties. Yeah. You know. One of the coolest things I saw was, um, the, the picture that someone posted of him, it may have been a family member of a, like calling it a career and he's holding a football and he's got all those rings on his yeah, fingers. I yeah. mean, that's a lot of hardware. That is a lot of hardware. So, I mean, what a great time it's, I mean, again, if it's the right time for you to walk away and call it quits, great, but man, how many conference, four conferences, you know, all those wins, everything. Think of the, just the different head football coaches, yeah. not not to mention the athletic directors, not to mention the school presidents yeah. that have come and gone and everything. And he's been here through all of that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Pruitt era was not even a thing for 
six or six and a half years or whatever right. the time before he got here. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I can't remember if Donnan got here in 90. Now I'm trying to remember if he was here in 90 or if he came in 91. Uh, he may have even been 89. My years are running in. I think Chomp was there right before Donnan, but uh, that was a career. Yeah. And our hats off to you, Coach Gill. So when did the, the – let's just toss one more thing on, one more date on there. Uh, remind everybody when the stadium opened. 91. See? There you go. Just one more thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one more thing. He's been there for every game inside of – Marshall Stadium and Jonesy Edwards Stadium. Amazing. Congratulations on retirement. Um, I imagine that it, it it will be a very unique situation to be in, like not going through spring ball for the first time. Not yeah. going to you know, because coaches and their and their calendars and their head go by, all right, it's it's report day, it's it's this day, it's that day. And to not have that be your clock anymore is going to be a unique scenario. So mm -hmm. uh, I would assume that he will still be a staple around uh, games and game day and the facilities, but I uh, see him in my neighborhood. But what a, what a great guy, uh, a career. I tweeted a career unmatched and I really feel like that is a, a fitting thing. I don't, I'm not sure it will be matched again. If it does, it will be very rarefied just because yeah. of the way things work now. Sure. Uh, number four, we're going to move over to this. I think this is equally cool in a different, uh, perspective, but Sid Nestor is going to be inducted into our high school hall of fame. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> that's cool. Because, uh, that's a thing that you would expect to have happened like much further down the road. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause she's still mm -hmm. an active player in college. Yeah. So that's, that must mean they hold you in high regard. Right. Uh, I don't even have a high school anymore. So I, that, and that was never on the table for me anyway, but I don't even have a high school. So that's never going to happen. Uh, but that's so cool, man. So we, that's the type of, uh, player that we have that's going to be, um, in the circle this year for herd softball. And we'll talk about that more when Megan joins us and we get the breakdown and, you know, we're expecting some big things from Sid this year. She dominated conference USA last year. Um, and, uh, we talked about, you know, when Megan was, when we was taught, when we were talking with Megan, that, that video that, that, uh, Stan's visuals put out, heard softball put out, dude, uh, Sid's got the swag and it looks like she's locked in and, and, and ready to roll. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm pumped, man. I, I think it goes without saying how that we're big time heard softball fans on the Thundercast and, uh, we're looking forward to some, uh, some killer moments in year one in the Sunbelt conference, but high school hall of famer, add that one to the resume. That's wicked. Cool, man. It is cool. All right. We're going to finish it up with number five this Saturday at the cam. We talked about getting out and seeing uh Tavion. There's only three games left. This is the first of those three and it is sold out. So how in the hell could you get a ticket then if it's sold out? Well, let me tell you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> If you follow the Thundercast on social media, on Facebook or on Twitter, and we kind of group those together, yeah. anyone that does that, and we, you know, randomly pick uh, one, and it's obviously it has to be from one or the other, but they win two tickets for anyone that enters our contest, and we give away two tickets 
in section 203, row EE, five rows right into the upper deck, and we give those away. They're mid-court seats, not that bad, every single home game. And we got them on the aisle to give you a little extra leg room because it yep. gets a little tight up there. So we tried to we tried to make it as comfy as we possibly could. So look, there's going to be two tickets that are going to be given away. And all you got to do is usually retweet a tweet or like a tweet or something. Uh, but just go to the game. That's really all we ask, right? If you're going to enter the contest, go to the game. Mm-hmm. Don't win. Don't, don't try to win just to win. And knowing there's no chance you can go because the whole sole purpose is to put two people in those seats that want to go and can go to the game. Mm-hmm. So please, if you enter, make sure you can go. And for any of our fans that have tickets and cannot go, I ask you to consider doing two things. One has already, well, both of scenarios have already happened uh, before, but reach out to us, mm-hmm. tell, tell us you cannot go. And if you cannot give or sell, I don't care either way, if you want to donate them or you're looking to get a little bit of money back, that's fine with me. That's fine with us. But we can help you uh, because people are constantly on our feed saying, I would like to go. I want to win these tickets. It's a sellout. We know that we're going to have more than two people willing to go to this game. So if you cannot use your tickets, please do not let those seats go empty in a sellout situation so the first scenario is help us help other people get to this game that want to go yep if you want to charge them a little bit if you want to not charge them totally fine second scenario go ahead no i was gonna say we keep our hands off of that we'll we'll do all we're gonna do is connect the two people yeah all we're gonna do is use our following to say hey here are some tickets yeah first come first serve we'll we'll get it out to our followers and we we did that. We had a couple of uh, good listeners uh, tell us uh, messages said, Hey, we can't use these. I saw you had somebody, you know, we tweeted out, we've got people that are looking to go. They reached out to us via DM said, we're going to be out of town for our anniversary. Please let someone use ours. We put those two people in touch. Easy done. transaction. Done and done. So the next scenario is if you can't use them, you can also donate these back to the ticket office and then they can get those out to people. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do that, just reach out to the ticket office or reach out to Ryan Crisp. If you know him, they would gladly take your tickets back and they will, because of you doing that, they'll try to help you out with a future game in some capacity. Uh, just please in these sellout situations, the key is to get as many people in there as possible. There are people that are wanting to go. There are people that have tickets that can't go. It's a no-brainer. Let's just get those people hooked up with each other or have us or the ticket office be your intermediary. Yeah, it's just so easy to send tickets digitally, transfer them over. There is no reason to let your seats go unused if you can't make it. There's Mm -hmm. just no – there's no reason to let that happen. Uh, Transferring these digital tickets is so easy that it it takes literally no time uh, to do that. So let's get the house packed. It's already a sellout. Again, that's a great uh, thing to have happen more than once in a season. It just shows that the support is there. We can do that. We can do this. Um, but awesome. I mean, multiple sellouts is great. I hope that all the remaining home games, the final three, are all sellouts. Uh, and um, 
let's just not let it have an empty seat be in the place, man. This this team's rolling. They need every bit of home court advantage they can get to make the cam even a more daunting place to go in and try to get a dub for an opposing team. Point blank. 100% agreed. That finishes up our five things every herd fan needs to know this week. And as always, brought to you by Ignite Link. A super, super positive five things this week. Lots of cool stuff. A legendary career comes to a close. Man, I can't say again, congratulations to Coach uh, Mark Gale on an illustrious career with the herd. One that saw a ton of hardware <laughs> make its way to the herd trophy case and onto those fingers. Uh, great, great five things. Look, it's about time for our featured segment of the episode. It's our 2023 Marshall softball breakdown. And head coach Megan Smith-Lyon is going to join us to Give us all the details on what we can expect from the herd. But before we get into that, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. We've got uh, Marshall softball head coach Megan Smith-Lyon with us again today, and we're going to talk about the 2023 softball team and season. Uh, that time of year is upon us. Uh, they're off the heels of a really exciting season from 2022. 35 and 18 last season, 20 and one at home, I think is the one that everybody likes to put that star beside. I mean, it just pays to go to the dot and watch the softball team play softball. They dominate at home. Uh, season did come to an abrupt end last year in the Conference USA Tournament semifinals, but not before some magical moments the day before uh, against Charlotte in uh walk-off type fashion to extend the tournament run one more day, one more dose of dot magic. It was just a great run. Uh, this season, we're trans transitioning conferences. We've talked about it in every other sport, and now it's softball's turn to go from Conference USA to the Sun Belt. And uh, Coach Smith-Lyon is going to talk about all of that with us. She's fresh off of a trip to Portland, Oregon, for a clinic and seminar with the NFCA Portland coaches clinic where she hosted a couple of seminars one being which we talked about just before we went on the air which i think is so cool creating dominant infield corners which is just a killer title i don't know how anybody wouldn't get excited if you're an infielder to want to know what that's all about and also full team defensive drills which i imagine is sort of a struggle it's usually a positional type thing and a lot of folks are standing around so all of these the knowledge I think that we have in Huntington with our coaching staff is just overwhelming. So um, for the second time, welcome to the Thundercast, head coach Megan Smith-Lyon. Thank you guys. I'm excited to be on again. <laughs> well, it's, it's, we've, I think we've both come a long way since the first time you were on here uh, and we are super excited to have you here. You know that we are big fans of Marshall softball and we want to champion that program as much as we can and get as much excitement as we can surrounding that team because flat out they just deserve it, right? They're good, and and they deserve all the shine that they get. Russ, um, I'm give you a, give you a minute to come in here. You've been awful quiet, and um, let's get things rolling. 
and get to learn a little bit more about this softball team, shall we? Yeah, Coach, we had uh, last year a powerful lineup. We had uh, – I talked about them being the the Marshall Monster Mashers. Uh, just seemed like three-run home runs everywhere. Uh, look a lot different this year, more of the same. How are we looking? Gosh, you know, we look a lot different. We look a lot different. Uh, you know, I think that obviously we're going to still have some power in our lineup, but um, our lineup is is going to be a totally different type of offensive lineup. Um, we're going to be able to have power, but we're also going to be able to mix that with speed and situational hitting. And, you know, I think our, um, gosh, the most, the, the thing I'm most excited about with our team is the fact that our offense is going to be so dynamic last mm -hmm. year, you know, I, gosh, we were super powerful. Um, and I loved it, right. All the home runs were great, but we were very one dimensional. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, sometimes we struggled because that's really the only thing that we did and we did it well. And we had players that did it extremely well, but uh, you know, this year we've got lots of tools, lots of tools. We've got players that um, can hit for power, can hit for average, can uh, make things happen offensively. We've got speed all over the place. And that's something we haven't had since I've been here. So a whole new look, whole new type of team, super dynamic on the bases and offensively. Um, so maybe a little bit different brand of softball that you've seen us play, but uh, no, no less exciting. It's going to be, it's going to be an exciting lineup. Awesome. I think I think everybody enjoys the long ball, right? Everybody mm -hmm. loves to yeah. see that home. And maybe I'm in the minority, but I am a guy who has always enjoyed, I guess you call it the manufacturing of runs. I enjoy mm -hmm. base running. I enjoy stealing. That's, that's things that have always been my favorite parts of the game. And if that's something that Marshall's going to do a little bit more this year, then I'm all for it. I, and I love the home run too. I loved seeing, <laughs> seeing them set, seeing us set uh, the home run records on fire, but there's no denying there was a, there is a uh, notable loss of power from the lineup, whether through transfer or loss, not loss, um, exhaustion of eligibility, whatever the case may be. And you have to, augment that with this year's roster so that leads to the the next obvious question um is recruiting and the transfer portal right most fans some for some reason seem to think that the transfer portal is a dominantly football thing or a men's basketball thing right and we are continually trying to tell folks that that's kind of across all sports and you can make that a weapon for you as well. So we've talked about before coming on the show, we talked in some messages of a nucleus of players that we have returning, right? I'm going to name a few and then yep. we'll talk about how we augment those players to fill out that lineup. How did we do that? Right. Of course it starts at the top and in the circle with Sid Nestor, great pitcher coming back conference USA pitcher of the year, all that good stuff. Uh, not talked about enough in softball circles nationally. And I'm kind of okay with it because I like that little bit of chip on the shoulder stuff. Um, Grace Chelman come back for another year. She made that announcement, which we were over the moon about. And uh, we are expecting even bigger things from Autumn Owen. Now, that's a great trio of players to start with. Who else are, are you pleased with the development that has returned from last year? And how did we augment that lineup to bring on the 2023 herd? Yeah, I mean, you're, you name three three big time players for us. And we're going to rely on those three heavily uh, during this season. And uh, before I talk about how, how we're adding that, I got to talk a little bit about Autumn Owen. Um, not many people know uh, in the fall, she suffered an injury and missed all fall. Um, she had surgery, major surgery, um, and was projected to miss part of our season. And 
that girl, my, my word, she is driven, determined. She busted her tail throughout the fall and throughout the winter, and she's going to be ready to go first game. So super proud of her and her grit. And, you know, with Autumn, it's, it's her talent out there, but it's, it's that heart and grit that she brings, man, you know, just really excited about her and her ability to, to come back and kind of be a leader and show our team what it takes to, to grit something out and, and, you know, fight through something, but we'll, we'll shift gears and talk about some people we're adding. Um, you know, I, I've got to highlight Sydney Bickle. Sydney Bickle is brand new. She's a transfer. She's mm -hmm. from Louisville infielder. She'll play at shortstop for us. Um, she really has come in and just, gosh, she's kind of lit everything on fire. She is amazing at shortstop defensively, an area where we lacked a little bit last year. Um, so she's going to come up and, and upgrade our defense tremendously at short. But what she's doing offensively, she's amazing. She uh, can hit left. She's a lefty hitter. She can hit for power. She can hit for average. She can slap. She can run. She can bunt. She can steal bases. She will be at the top of our order, and she is dynamic. She is dynamic. So we're super excited about her and what she's bringing to the table and her and Grace working together, I think are going to be huge, you know, because Grace has the same types of capabilities and um, they're, they're going to be a force, both of those, those in the lineup. Um, Bub Faringa is a returner who last year saw a little bit of action uh, offensively and in the circle, um, but she's really grown a ton and we knew she would, you know, last year she had to play behind um, Allie, you know, Allie Harrell, nobody's, nobody's playing over her. Right. So mm -hmm. it kind of had to sit back and be behind her and Sage and, you know, through that she worked, she uh, developed, she progressed really well. And she's had a really, really strong fall and preseason for us uh, as a hitter and a pitcher. So, you know, she's someone that we're going to look to, um, to, to really add to autumn grace in the lineup, uh, you know, and, and I think it's, like I said, she's going to bring that power, but it's going to be that balance we have in our lineup that's going to be so key. You know, Grace has got speed, but she can hit for power. Now, Bub's going to add some power to the lineup. Autumn's got power, but we've got Sid Bickle now who can do all of it, too. So it's just going to be really, really neat to see the balance we're going to have in that lineup. So you mentioned Allie. She, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, batted leadoff last year mm -hmm. and had a uh, 606 on base percentage. That is ridiculous. One, <laughs> two, how do you replace that? And um, she brought power and everything, but you mentioned it's a different kind of a lineup. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a lot of uh, on base percentage, not as much speed. Are we going with uh, Bickle? You said, is that who's going to lead off? So is it going to be a little give of the on base maybe down, but the speed is there and that will help manufacture runs? Or is she looking to be one of these on base percentage uh, dynamos like Allie was? Well, I think she, I don't, you can't replace Allie and mm -hmm. we don't have another Allie here, right? There's only one of those and yeah. she's, She's now coach, luckily. She's helping us out. But, you know, I think Bickle's going to be able to probably a 600 on base percentage is off the charts, right? Sure. But I do think she's going to be able to get on base in a lot of different ways. And what she's going to be able to do is she's going to allow us to not have 
to move her because she can move herself with her speed, um, which is going to be a huge benefit. We did not have that last year. We had to play mm -hmm. station to station, and then we had to rely on people to hit a home run. Um, that's not what we have to do this year. We're going to be able to score in a lot of different ways. We're going to be able to wreak havoc on defenses and make them very uncomfortable. And Sid Bickle is going to be one of those people that's going to do that at the top of the order. Another person that I didn't mention, but I'll throw her name out there now. We have a freshman from Florida, Bree Godfrey who had an incredible fall and is continuing to grow. I mean, she's young, she's inexperienced at this level, but she's a dynamo. She's she's a stick of dynamite as a hitter, as a base runner, as a pitcher. We love everything that she's doing. And we think she's gonna be up at the top too with Sid um, for the same reasons. She's gonna be able to get on base and, and, and do a lot of damage on the bases. And, and we're excited about that. So now, we, we we have built ourselves into this wonderful lineup that we're all excited about. And now we've got to put that lineup on the field in the Sunbelt Conference, uh, a conference widely known for its softball. Uh, you know, without getting, without painting yourself into a corner, which is tough, I, got, I know. Uh, how, first of all, how, how in your view does... Sunbelt softball differ from Conference USA softball. Then secondly, where do we stack up in year one with some of those heavy hitters? Where are we trying to fit in, you know, in this conference? Is this just a, we want to try to really compete and, and build something this year or no, we're ready to come for someone's throat this year. Like where, where do you feel that we are? Yeah, I mean, that's it's a tough question, honestly. Um, you know, Conference USA last year was a very strong softball conference um, with North Texas, with Charlotte, with Western Kentucky. Um, all three had resumes to get into the regional tournament, and only one of them got in, but they had the resumes to do so. So, we, you know, we kind of got a good start last year mm -hmm. with a more competitive Conference USA. Um, and, you know, we we were kind of mid, upper mid of the pack there. Uh, Sunbelt is... A giant leap forward um you know but like i said we, with conference USA being so strong last year we kind of got a taste of that which is a good thing but you know when you're talking about the Sun Belt, you're talking about teams that are world series teams you know louisiana lafayette's in the world series james madison was just recently in the world series i mean those are teams that compete to go to the world series so it, it's a step forward for sure but you know i think that our players are are prepared for that you know we're excited about it um like i said we were able to compete in a stronger conference USA last year than it's ever been since we've been here. So that was a great experience to get us ready. Our non-conference schedule this year is tough. If you looked at our schedule, we are going to be playing Pitt. We're going to be playing Liberty. Um, we've got um, Alabama, Virginia Tech. So we're, we're trying to, you know, get ourselves prepared for what's coming in, in a Sunbelt by playing some better out-of-conference teams as well. Yeah, this deep – this, I'm sorry, this, this seems like um, it was not like you had a say in it, the right time to transition because Conference USA was so strong last year and it kind of tested what Marshall was able to do moving forward and, and preparing. So we've seen some success from other programs and, and now it just it just feels like maybe it maybe it's the just the diehard herd fan inside. It just feels like it's Marshall softball's turn to kind of take that baton and go, all right, we'll, we'll run in the belt for a little bit. We can do this. We're ready to roll. Uh, it, excitement is off the charts. We've talked about some of that uh, out of conference slate already, just, you know, in some of our five things in other weekly episodes. 
and we expect those games to be really highly attended. But let's not forget, all of the conference schedule is at home is going to be just as challenging. So there's really not a bad game on the schedule mm-hmm. to go to 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 to, to uh, have it at the uh, Dot Hicks Field. This the schedule top to bottom is going to be full of top tier games, and uh, we're just here for it. Russ, I didn't mean to cut you off. But- no, that's all right. No, good follow up. Uh, defensively, it's going to look differently as well this year. A couple of games that I was watching last year, it seemed like um, defense just uh, at the wrong time just allowed teams back into it or lost the lead and a couple of times maybe even lost the game. Uh, Got a lot of new players. How are we looking defensively this year compared to last year? Yeah, you know, defense has been a struggle for us, um, you know, with our personnel in years past. And I think this year it's, it's a complete difference. You know, we've got anywhere. Um, I would anticipate her starting at third, but, you know, she can play anywhere in the infield and do a phenomenal job. And, you know, we lost Katie Adams behind the plate, who was a great receiver and, and did a good job um, in, in regards to like situational defense. But, you know, what we're adding with Autumn Owen behind the plate or Emily Allen even behind the plate. Uh, we have such a strong arm behind the plate now, which I think is going to be a huge weapon for us too. So, you know, I, I really look at it as, you know, our offense is shifting gears. Our defense, I believe, is more solid top to bottom. Um, and our pitching staff, with City Nestor returning, and we've got some good ones to add to her now, I think that that we've got a solid team. You know, a different team, but, but very solid. Is it out of the realm to say, I hate to use the word better, right? Because you have to get into games and see kind of what you're made of before you can start to make comparisons. But there's so much different is it a better different in your mind? Do you, is is that fair to say to you? It's like, this is a good different. This isn't a bad different, you know, because I, I feel like sometimes I do things differently. I'm like, that was bad. But I feel, do you feel good about this different? Well, ask me that three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there are a lot about it that's good, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot about it that you can't, it's hard to compare. To me, they're so different, you can't even compare. Them. Yes. Um, you know, like I said, it's exciting to be able to manufacture runs. It's exciting to be able to throw runners out. It's exciting to be able to, to have a dominant shortstop. All those things are exciting. But let's not forget, it was really exciting to have Allie Harrell in the box. Sure it was, really yeah. Have Sage Pie. You know, so it, you can't really compare the two. You know, I think we're just a different team. And, you know, different – I'm excited about the difference. I'm excited about it. I don't know what the results are going to be yet. Yeah. But you know, I'm excited about what I see at practice. I'm excited about the energy they have, what they bring to the table. Um, great people who work really, really hard and, and love Marshall and come to work every day um, to to get better. I mean, I love that. And we'll see what we'll see what happens when we get out there. I think maybe that's what I meant. Is it an exciting different? Not not a good or bad. But I guess the most important thing we have to ask is, are they still just as fun and and like i mean they haven't lost the personality because i think that's the biggest draw for a lot of our fan base is they see these gals having the time of their freaking lives and it's infectious you know so they're with a lot of roster turnover and and some folks coming in to learn what martial softball is are you working hard and playing hard i think is the question 
Yeah, definitely. We, we lost some big personalities. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Um, and they made every day interesting. And we have different personalities, but they love the game. They go yeah. out and have a ton of fun. And, you know, I mean, that's what that's what we're all about as coaches. I mean, obviously, we're preparing our players to be elite and to compete for championships. But at the end of the day, I never want them to forget how much they love the game. I love it so much every single day. That's why I go out there. And you don't want them to forget that. You know, they're they're young people who are are getting degrees and doing awesome things in classes. And we want them to come out to the field and do awesome things here, but also love what they're doing and enjoy it. Um, So we still do that. We still do that. We have a ton of fun. Yeah. I mean, I would hate to think that we've turned into a all business all the time, you know, I mean, I I just, I I love this softball team for uh, many reasons. And, and part of a big part of that is that they remind me how much fun I used to have as a player many, many moons ago and at a far lower level than, you know, what they're competing at now, but I I see it far lower (laughs) and I see that and I go, man, those were some good times, you know? So that makes me feel good. Russ, I know has, I hope you're ready. I mean, did you, I hope you did your homework because he doesn't take it easy on our coaches when they come in here and, and talk to us. And I know he's got one locked and loaded. So um, good luck with this one. Tough question. And I really hate to put you on the spot, especially on video and audio and all the people that are going to be seeing this, but what would be on the Megan Smith lion sandwich? If it were named after you at a restaurant. The sandwich. Yeah. I don't eat bread. So let me. Oh, so you're bread going uh, animal style, right? Yeah. And, isn't that what they call that? Animal style? It'd be like a lettuce wrap. Um, okay. I would go for. Um, gosh, that's tough. See? Told you. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm not a sandwich gal, but I tell you, I do probably like a lettuce wrap with some turkey in it, some avocado, um, maybe a little bacon. That's what I would do for sure. So this reminds me of Coach Huff taking a stab at me for eating things <laughs> like avocado. <laughs> he said, hey, he said, I like avocado and too. I'm not, I don't like avocado, by the way, but that's okay. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, Corey's not here to defend himself, but yeah. we're going to let you do what's what I'm going to still Russ's question, even though we don't have Corey. What's Corey putting on his sandwich? Right. Cause you can't tell me that dude doesn't eat bread. He eats bread. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he hates mayonnaise, so there would be no mayonnaise on. Oh, he says he hates mayonnaise, but he loves like deviled eggs and egg salad. He loves. Yeah. Not telling he likes mayonnaise, but he yeah. says he hates it, so no mayonnaise. Honestly, he's like an Italian sub guy. Like he loves all that spicy Italian meat and the cheese, and put all the banana peppers on it, and and with a side of fries. And speaking my know, language over here. All that, yeah. <laughs> speaking my language look it looks like the uh marshall softball season is going to start friday february 10th in leesburg florida against portland state right around the corner and really not that far from where i live so you guys will open the season up down here in my neck of the woods um we've got to ask like we always ask because it's so important fans need to continually hear this what is what is the easiest best quickest way that marshall fans can support marshall softball well i mean first come out and support us. You know, we talk about the dot magic. Well, the dot magic is because of our fans. Um, and mm-hmm. they come out and they have a great time uh, watching us and they're part of what we're doing. So coming out and, and 
being a part of things is to me the most important thing. I'll tell you what, too, that's what makes Marshall special. That's why our players want to come here and want to stay here and play because they've got people that love what they're doing here. And not a lot of places do. You know, softball doesn't get a ton of support at a lot of schools. And at Marshall, totally different story. Our fans are unbelievable and they come out and they support, you know, so anybody that um, is wanting to support us, come on out to the dot, be a part of the dot magic, help us have a great atmosphere and be successful here. And, you know, and if you're from further away and we're coming close to you, come and see us. Like we love having fans come out on the road and um, talk to the team. And, you know, we love that uh, when we're on the road too. So to me, that's, that's what we like people coming out and being a part of this. Also, Coach, I go, I'm sorry. Also, aside from going to the games, don't forget, join the big green. That helps out every team that we have. But also, I'm going to set you up with this one again. Individual team giving is available for the softball team, right? Yeah. Um, is it the Diamond Club, right? The other one's the dugout. The baseball team's the dugout club or something. The Diamond yeah. Club. Join the Diamond Club if you if you can't make it to games, if you live across the country, if you just want to support or you just want to support herd softball in a different way. Give to the Big Green, join the Diamond Club, and get your butt out to games. We can't oh, drive wow. that. I'm going to interrupt you, but the Diamond Club, it's amazing what our supporters have been able to provide for our players. You know, obviously Marshall takes care of us and we sure. get everything we need, but there are some things that are above and beyond um, that elite programs have that we're getting because of our Diamond Club and people that contribute. We just, our athletic trainer, uh, her name is Becky Callagher. She's amazing. She handles all the medical needs of our team. She's with us all the time, but there are certain things she needs when we're on the road that we don't have right now high level equipment to help our players recover, to help them prepare for games. And we just placed an order today, $3,000 worth of equipment that we didn't have in our budget that came from our diamond club, that came from the big green fund. So, and these are things that, that we need to compete in the Sun Belt and our supporters are helping us do that. So yeah, absolutely um, getting on there and, and that money does go directly to us. We are getting things that directly help our players get better. Um, and it's for those players, not for us or things we think are cool. It is to help our players become elite athletes and be able to compete in the Sun Belt. So yeah, absolutely. Go to the Big Green, help us out there too. We would love it. Yep. If you want to compete at a championship level, you have to be able to support at a championship level. And Marshall makes it easy to do that. There are several avenues to do that, and, and we try to drive folks to those areas all the time. Russ, what do you got? Coach, one final question for me. Uh, we talked a little bit about the move to Sunbelt. Uh, we talked about dot magic uh and and everything at the dot and fans coming out. But since you were on here last, there have been some big announcements. Uh, there's also been the start of the baseball stadium, which we talked a little bit about last mm -hmm. time. There's some stuff that is exciting and going on, but scoreboards and, and all the different upgrades that are going to be happening soon. How excited are you and the rest of the staff about that? And just tell us all about it. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I am so excited for the baseball program and those young men that represent Marshall and go out there and, and work every day um, to be great. Uh, I'm so excited for them. You know, this is something that they needed for a long time. And the new coach, 
I met him. He seems like an awesome, awesome person. And he's going to be a great coach and do great things. And we couldn't be, uh, I mean, we're, when they switched the sites, we were so excited. We thought that mm -hmm. should have been what it was the whole time yeah. to have this opportunity to pair us and give us kind of like our own little complex. Mm -hmm. um, we, we love it. We're so excited about it. They're working out there. It's, you know, it's caused a lot of mud and a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of noise for us, but we welcome it. We're, we're just tickled that they're going to be beside us. And, you know, yeah, we're going to kind of piggyback and get some stuff too, which I like. I think one of the things that is so impressive about our new athletic director uh, is his commitment to all sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when he, his focus obviously was to get a baseball stadium built, right? We need it. it it's, we, they needed it for a long time. So he, that's his focus, but, you know, he, was very upfront that this is baseball, but we want to make sure that you guys benefit as well. Like we're mm -hmm. not just doing baseball. We want to make sure that we're taking care of your needs and some of the things that you need upgraded. Um, so yeah, school board is what, something mm -hmm. that we needed. Um, and that's coming, not this season, I'm told next season, knock on wood, right? I hope, right? So the school board is one area um, that's getting upgraded. Lights, we don't have lights. So mm -hmm. there, there was a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, talk about baseball not having lights where they were playing well we don't have them either and so that's an issue it's an issue in the Sun Belt um we're the only team that doesn't you know so it's we're one of the only teams I would say in the country that doesn't so adding lights is going to be big um and that's coming as well um they're also adding a, an indoor softball ops building so we have a clubhouse right behind our dugout, but we don't have an area for our team to meet. We don't have mm -hmm. an area big enough to do video. Um, we don't have an uh, indoor where we're able to use whenever we need it. And we're, we go across the street, which is great, but they are going to be building a building here for us. So mm -hmm. we're going to have our own indoor facility. We're going to have a, an area where our team can gather together um, to eat meals, pre, pre and post game meals, to have meetings. We're going to have a video room where we're all able to sit down and watch video. These are things we don't have now. These are things that we need. And we're excited about those things that are coming. So, you know, yeah, I'm excited for those things for us. I'm just excited for baseball to get what they need because baseball's tough in the Sun Belt too. And so <laughs> yeah. we, both need, we both need support and a lot of help to help us continue to build these programs. Yeah, I remember. That was a lot. I'm sorry. I remember back in, when we talked before. Those were both you and Corey, when we had you both on, you were both talking about some of those same things, needing these particular facilities, the lack of not being able to watch a video. And it's now great that those things, you know, went from, well, it'd be great if we could get those to, we're going to get those, you know, in the span of relatively short time in the grand scheme, especially when you talk about the decades it took to get a baseball stadium built. But um, that's just great to hear. You know, you, you guys deserve all the facilities, upgrades, all of the amenities that you need to keep competing at such a high level and to help this program take yet another step higher. Um, for all the folks that do know how special it is, herd softball, that is, there are so many folks that are learning about it every day and realizing, dang, this is a really good program we have here. And we talked about this way back when as being a potential cornerstone program for herd athletics in the Sun Belt. And I still feel that way. And so to see that, you know, the value is being placed on this program for what it is, and they're trying to elevate it even more. It's just great to hear. You deserve it all. You guys deserve it all. You've done a fabulous job. Uh, the program gets ran the right way. We, we never hear anything out of it that isn't positive. And that's just 
un unbelievably challenged to me because at the end of the day, we're talking about kids. And I remember what I was like when I was 18, 19 and 20 and my parents didn't always get positive news. <laughs> so uh, you guys are doing a great job and uh, we just, we just could not be prouder of our softball program. We could not be prouder of our coaches and our players. And, uh, you know, of course, anything we can do, we as the Thundercast, Russ and myself individually, we want to do. Uh, you should always feel free to reach out to us and anything that we can do that's within our power, we're going to try to do it. Uh, Russ, you got anything else before we let Megan get back to building a championship softball team? No, just looking forward to it. Can't wait to get out to the dot, take my girls out there and uh, let them enjoy watching this as they did last year. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited about softball season. And uh, like I said, we'll let you get back to your day. We we got games to win, right? Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks so much for having us on. I, I always enjoy it. I know Corey enjoys it too. And <laughs> hope to see you guys at the field. Maybe, I don't know how close we are in Florida when we come down, but maybe come by and watch us. It should be I'm going to Google it. I'm, as soon as we get off here, I know I've seen Leesburg around. I don't know how far it is, but I'm going to Google it when we're off. And if I'm, if it's there, I'm going to try to make the trip, but let's hope. Thank you again so much. We enjoy doing this. We enjoy uh, having you on anytime you want to come back on. All you got to do is send us that message. You know, you're always welcome. We will make it happen. Heard softball starting in just a couple of weeks. Get excited. Get your butts ready to get over to Dot Hicks Field. Join the Big Green. Contribute to the Diamond Club. What else can you want? Go Herd. Go Herd. Megan, Megan, thank you so much. We'll see you. We'll talk to you soon. I'm sure we will. Take it easy, okay? All right, thanks. Russ, we can't thank head coach Megan Smithline enough for joining us and helping us learn a little bit more about the 2023 Herd softball team. I hope this gets those fans a little amped up and excited to want to get out to the dot and support the squad. Lots of killer games on the schedule. Uh, and we talked about this is going to be a sort of a new look style of play for the herd. So there's a lot to be excited about. But for now, let's take this bad boy around the herd. All right. We're going to start off with women's tennis. And they took a road duel uh, over Kentucky four to three. And some of these results here at Kentucky. Let's see. Uh, we had Gabrielle Clairot and Angela Lopicic, Lopicic, sorry, got a little tongue tied there, uh, won one of the doubles and in singles action, Joanna Strom won, Emma Vander Hayden won, Sophia Hurion won and Angela Lopicic again won. So a lot of different winners in there edging out uh one of those matches goes a different way we could have been looking at a tie or it could have been uh I, i'm assuming it wouldn't have been a tie at four to three I, it would just flip flop flip flop yep so we we would have ended up uh on the losing end of that but to be able to go somewhere i don't know the prestige of kentucky but going somewhere else on the road seems like it's always going to be tough you see it no matter what conference you're in what sport you're in. So big time win over Kentucky. I think this just goes kind of across all sports. It's just hard to win on the road. You sure. Know, you, you get all of the um, 
comforts of playing at home and familiarities of playing on a, and especially like tennis where playing surfaces are such a big deal. And it could be the exact same surface at Marshall or at, in Lexington, but it doesn't matter. Like they're used to playing and practicing on that particular surface. They know how the ball reacts. So to go in on the road and open the season in a four to three victory, that's big time for the herd, right? Traveling is another thing when doesn't matter what sport you're in, but again, the the travel if you're going there the day of you know I personally myself I don't do well unless I'm driving a vehicle uh, I seem to be lethargic or uh, you know car sick that sort of thing I have no idea how people travel and, mm-hmm. and things like that but being in a car for two hours sometimes you get out you're not as loose uh, anything you know I, I know just about everybody listening if they played sports of any time and they had to have a bus trip somewhere in high school. When you got off there, it was just totally, totally different than being at your own facility. Mm-hmm. So going and winning on the road is tough, and they won over Kentucky. So yeah. hats off to them. And also uh, today yeah. we're playing. Uh, I guess it's I don't know what you call it. Or hosting a uh, hosting a couple of teams in Huntington University of Charleston and uh, Bellarmine are both in Huntington right now. And this match is about halfway through as we're recording. The University of Charleston portion is done, and uh, Bellarmine is about to start. So we won't have results on that part by the time this posts, obviously. But uh, it kind of took UC to the woodshed. Uh, Seven to nothing. Uh, It's singles, 6-0 in singles. They dropped one set out of all the matches in singles and then finished 3-0 in all the doubles matches. So herd tennis is kind of just rolling early right now in this one uh, we'll see how they stack up against bellarmine don't know anything really about bellarmine so uh they, they we won't have the results by the time we're done recording we can, we may touch on it the next time we record but mm-hmm. um excellent i don't know how you can get much better of a start than 7-0 against the first uh, team in the in the match of the day so kind of kicking it kind of rolling gotta love it i mean what more can you say about her tennis yeah uh, we ended up uh, over on track and field. Uh, we had uh, a, a Friday Saturday event over at Liberty, and the Friday events. Uh, Asha Bora, who is a freshman from Hurricane, set a uh, personal record in a win for the uh, let's see the five k. She was at eighteen minutes and just over ten seconds. Again, that was a personal record for her in that win. Uh, Sydney Smith, a senior, broke her own school record that she had set last year uh, in the 3K with uh, nine minutes and 55, almost 56 seconds. She shaved off what was almost a full second from her personal school record, indoor school record. Um, They had uh, several different second and third place finishes uh but those were the only wins on saturday let me switch over to that they ended up winning six events Mm -hmm. on that day to end and i have the first places here we've got alicia wood in the high jump she came in first with 1.67 meters macy majoy uh, first in the pole vault, 3.95 meters. 
the one mile run, Kylie Maston came in first at four minutes, 57 seconds. 60 meter hurdles, Tyra Thomas came in first, eight, uh, 8.38 seconds. Uh, the 1K, the 1,000 meters, Abby Herring, hear from her all the time on here, came in first, and that was 2 minutes, 54 seconds. And in the 4 by 400 meter relay, we came in first, and uh, that was Micah, Elaine, Beckett, Murphy, and Thomas that came in first in that. So six victories to finish that out. They go on to play. Where is that next meet? Do you have that? Yeah, you're talking about the PNC Lenny Lyles Invitational yeah, it's, it's, in it's Louisville? Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, I had. Yeah, so they will be doing that uh, this weekend, and they are there. Let's see, is that tonight that they start or tomorrow? This weekend. Today. Today. <laughs> no, it's today. Okay. So this is going on right now as well. We just, we have not seen any results from it is why. Uh, but as of right now, it is ongoing. So guess what? You got to back up because there was one thing that we got to touch on, right? And guess who? Guess who? When we're talking track and field, guess who? We have a Abby, little bit more to talk about. Abby Herring. That's right. Abby Herring's win in the 1,000 meters set a personal and team record. Okay. Uh, who would have, well, personal and team record at that event, that says. So who would have guessed? Week in and week out. It's another personal record. It's another event record. It's another school record. Abby Herring. Parkersburg zone. <laughs> I don't think that we're ever going to get tired of, of <laughs> talking about that because that was one from the very first times that we yeah. did an episode, we were mentioning that she broke a school record and that made one of our five things. It was in the results for around the herd. And it seems like every event or every other event, we're talking about her dominating in some fashion. I so. know, right? This is a, uh... Like, I don't know what goes into being like a, you know, a decorated athlete is usually somebody that wins an award and has these trophies. But like, as far as records go, I don't think we've talked about any athlete through the duration of our show from the inception of the show more than her. Yeah. Couldn't have. All right. We're going to switch over to swimming and diving. And uh, they had a... I don't know how these points are scored in swimming and diving for an overall meet, but they won over Duquesne in a duel and it was 300.5 to 223.5. I would be lying if I knew what that meant as far as each individual event, how many points yeah. were awarded for first, second, that sort of thing, especially with the halves. I'm assuming that's ties. Uh, someone out there that knows DM us, tell us, let us know. Um, I just don't know how many points are scored for each victory, second place, third place, all the way through on that. Um, but here's our first place results for this. The 400 medley relay, Maya McBride, Paige Banton, Madeline Hart, and Clava Katayama came in first, and that was 3 minutes, 44 seconds. And the 1,000-meter freestyle, Esther LeBon, who we talk about here quite a bit on Swimming and Dive as well, scored a victory at 10 minutes, one second. 
50 meter freestyle, Maya McBride, 24.09 seconds. 100 individual medley, Paige Banton, 57.36 seconds. The 50 meter butterfly, Madeline Hart, 25.42 seconds. 100 meter freestyle, Gabrielle Ivy, 52.11 seconds. 50 meter backstroke, Maya McBride, 25.82 seconds. The one meter dive, it's usually Grace Kelsheimer that we're talking about here, but teammate Lauren Henderson, 273.45. Kelsheimer came in third on that one. 50 meter breaststroke, Paige Banton again, 28.91 uh, seconds. The 200 meter freestyle relay, Katayama, Claire Kenny, Gabrielle Ivy and Madeline Hart with one minute, 35.09 seconds, 200, med 200 meter medley relay, Maya McBride, Paige Banton, Madeline Hart, and Claire Kinney, one minute, 45 seconds, 100 meter backstroke, Maya McBride, 56.73 seconds, 100 meter breaststroke, Paige Banton, one, uh, Minute 4.47 seconds, 200 meter butterfly, Esther LeBon, two minutes, 9.09 .09 seconds, and 100 meter freestyle, Clava Katayama, 52.57, 200 meter breaststroke, Paige Banton yet again, two minutes, 20.07 seconds, 100 meter butterfly, Madeline Hart, 58.01 seconds, 200 meter individual medley, Paige Banton, two minutes, 8.16 seconds. 400 freestyle relay, Katayama, Ivy, or Tamir, and Hart came in three minutes, 31.41 seconds. Now, that is a lot of first place. Trust me, there were a lot of second place. There were a lot of third place, but you can see why McBride and Banton got those awards. Esther LeBond did well, Hart did well, Katayama. A lot of people were hearing on here multiple times. Just a really good meet, and you can see why they, what looks to me, uh, that looks to me like a dominating score, 300 to 223. Um, they are up next at uh, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament all the way up in February 15th. So they got time between now and then, little over two weeks time, two and a half weeks. But uh, we'll, we're excited about seeing all these results leading into the tournament. Yeah. This first, is a, first, first. first, yeah, personal best, first place finish starting to pile up. Yeah. And two weeks, this is the stretch, right? This is, yeah. this is it, it. We're hitting it at the right time. Seems like a great time to also say, this is also a great time to support swim and dive in, in an individual sport giving um, capacity. If you, if you can, like all these first place fin finishes are pretty impressive. So, you know, you got a little, got a couple of bucks kicking around, give it a little, give a little, throw a little support to the uh, swim and dive team because it's not like, you know, you can buy a ticket, you know, and go watch. I mean, it's free. So um, all these individual sports, Olympic sports and things like that. Uh, the individual sport giving that you can contribute to them, it, it goes a really long way, 
right? A yeah. really long way. I mean, we're not trying to take anything away from football or basketball or anything. They have bigger, much larger budgets. And while your mm -hmm. money is also still important, the financial support that you can individually give to the swim and dive team, that dollar is going to stretch a lot further than, you know, other sports relative to their budget. So uh, give them a little something, anything, and just say, hey, man, you guys have been killing it lately. You know, mm -hmm. and I recognize that and and I want to support swim and dive. Or I want to support tennis. It means a lot. And uh, I believe me that those coaches and players are appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. Very appreciative of that. So excellent job by the swim and dive team. Excellent job. Yeah. And it was a lot of stuff to read off there. I don't want to leave anyone's first place finishes out just to say that the two uh, uh, Banton and uh, uh, McBride, you know, I could have just highlighted their wins, but that's not fair to the other athletes that, that came in there and secured first place finishes. But I also have to give a shout out, even though I didn't read them all, there were a lot of second and third place sure. finishes and stuff like that. And again, your, your things that you're doing, you're competing against your own teammates, you're competing against other uh, individual athletes from other schools but you're competing against yourself and we got the tournament coming up and the Thundercast cannot wait to hear how well we do at the MVC tournament. Yep. If you're intrigued to know the full results of these things, again, go to the Herd Zone app, Herd Zone app. click on Swim and Dive, and you can get the full results to all of the competitions from each sport that we have there. So if, if you're a Swim and Dive nut and you want to know more, there you go. And with all these, with tennis and uh, track and field, not only do they put these in an article format where you can read and then they list the results down and only put Marshall's athletes down there, but up at the top of the article, you can either download or click for the website version of the actual one page, maybe two page PDF format of like everyone from every school and where they finished. I prefer trying to read that for this uh, uh, medium that we're on here. But if I wanted to look at everything, you know, it's really easy to see uh, who came in first. If our athlete came in second in the article, you could see how close they came. Yeah, how, by, how, how off of first they were, or how, yeah. how nip and tuck it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I encourage everybody. Again, I see people on social media. I see people on message boards. They'll ask about these things. It's as simple as what KD said earlier. Get the Herd Zone app. You can go to HerdZone.com, but apps pretty much rule everything nowadays it makes it so much easier <laughs> to not have to open up the the browser and type it in you open up the app it's right there it's a news story you can sort by sport however you want to do it but you can get these results all right we're going to talk about women's basketball and this was a good couple of games they've had two games since we recorded last and that is um Southern Miss on Saturday of last week, and they won 53 to 52 with a very, very, very wild ending uh, with a couple of steals from both teams to end up. Uh, Abby Beeman had a steal with seconds to go on the clock to secure our victory 53 to 52. We'll get into that here in just a minute. And then just last night, on the road at ULM, winning 61-59. to Yet another patented comeback by this Lady Herd team. Uh, you said it best. You know, we, we've both said it, but they do not quit. It's one of these things that, you know, yeah, you'd like for them not to be behind, but when they do get behind, 
you can never count them out. Yeah, they don't pack it in. Yeah, they you don't see them if you go there live or if you're watching on uh, ESPN Plus and they show the bench at all. They are never down. They, I mean, they know they're down on the scoreboard, but it's just like a okay. Well, here's what we have to do. Let's go out and do it. And that's the kind of team you root for, man. I, I mean, I love watching them play. I try to watch as many games as I can on ESPN Plus. I've been able to go to the game uh, in the cam a couple of times. Uh, really fun atmosphere. And we've talked about at this point in the season. You know, we're getting into that point, like the 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 latter parts of the regular season and stuff that's when this attitude would start to pay off because they never quit and you you if you have to hang around in some games you're going to find yourself coming out on top sometimes because you just you're hanging around and let's face it southern miss came in as a heavy favorite against the herd because they're Mm -hmm. for the better team on paper right but you can throw that out the window and we'll talk about that you know in another capacity here in a minute but they go in and they and they protect the the court at the Cam Henderson Center and they get a win over a Southern Miss team that on paper was a better team. Mm-hmm. And it's because they didn't quit. They were behind. They say, all right, we just keep working, keep chopping wood, keep playing the game. Marshall went scoreless for over a minute in the final, like the final minute to yeah. hang on to that win, right? So they have to hold off a, a – uh, several scoring attempts by Southern Miss to to eke out that win. I don't care if I have to use the term eke out because that's what they did. They came mm-hmm. out and they eked it out, right? They didn't score for over a minute. They had 53 points with a little over a minute left in the fourth quarter. Southern Miss was trying frantically to get back ahead, and they just couldn't do it because of the scrappy don't-quit herd team. And 10-9 and nine at that point, I don't care. Because it's about the it's about the don't quit. It's I mean, would I love them to be you know nineteen and zero? Hell yeah, I would. But they're not. <laughs> but I sure do appreciate a hard working, hard fighting ten and nine ball club. I do yeah. appreciate that. And this game, uh, there were some cold streaks, especially from three uh, with uh, Rochella Scott and Abby Beeman combined went one for fifteen from behind the arc. But Meredith Mayer came off the bench and uh, went three for seven. Three huge threes couple of them uh, during one stretch. Uh, you just got to love this team. It's like, who's going to step up? You know, and it's not always a starter. Usually we're talking about Rochella Scott and Abby Beeman being number one and number two in the box score on points. But right here off the bench, uh, Mayer was uh, second in, in points. And again, hitting two big threes. She hit three, but two big threes seemingly within three trips down the court. I can't remember now because it was last Saturday, but as I was watching the game, that stood out that that threes when we needed them. Yeah. Even your best players have an off night, right? And sure. that's when you need this team to step up and, and you know, pick up the slack a little bit. Meredith Mayer did that, 11 points off the bench. Tara Harness, eight points, which tie, is tied with Abby. Right for mm-hmm. all the great things that Abby's done, she had an off night. And it happens. There are well, several. There are plays that show up at, that that won't show up in the box score. Right, that she's uh, responsible for. And we know, but forty minutes in the game and four of nine from the floor, oh five from three point range, eight points on the day. That's an off night for her. It that's is. what that's what I was getting ready to say, and you said exactly what I was going to say. She only had nine shots, and that is hard. Four for nine is not yeah. too bad of an off night. She just didn't hit. She hit all four inside the arc. If I remember, they were all layups, fast breaks, or driving to the basket. Um, she may have had a, a mid-range jumper in there that I'm forgetting. 
but the O for five is uncharacteristic from behind the arc. You know, she hits one or two of those. She's at either 11 or 14 points. She only had nine shots. That's what's a little more uncharacteristic uh, for her. But again, she distributed the ball well, had nine assists, and this is just a good team. They mesh very well. They pick each other up. And what did we talk about going into this season? Because we didn't know much about them. We couldn't even give really a recap until we watched the first game to two games because Mm -hmm. there were so many new players from transferring in. And in that short amount of time, they played together like they have been playing together for three years. Yeah, it's it's very much a work in progress. And I don't think anybody on that roster, anybody on that coaching staff would say anything different because it came in with so much new from top to bottom. And it took a while. It, it's always going to take a while, but sure. When, even when it, even if it starts gelling early, you still got to be hot from the floor. You can still go cold from the floor, even though you're playing well together. And we saw a little bit of that and they were still able to come out with a win at home against a really, really good opponent. So this is one that, you know, there's been some, <laughs> we're going to go back and talk about that Davis and Elkins game where they just a obliterated that poor team but you might go back and go you know what this is the this is the this is the toughest this was the best game of the year because of how it played out at the end and and we were able to get the win against a really tough opponent and some of our you know more um more score heavy players had a little bit of an off night as a team we were cold from the floor 22 percent from three-point range only just under 34 percent from the floor as a whole so getting wins in games like that that's pretty impressive it's yeah. pretty impressive. Well, let's talk more about impressive of last night's game. Again, they were on the road. We just talked about how hard it is to to win on the road. It was a week night on the road, far away from Marshall in uh, Louisiana Monroe. They scored a combined seventeen points in the first two quarters to go in with a thirty to seventeen deficit at the half. Whoa. So what did they do in the third quarter? They outscored 24 to 11 ULM to tie the game up. And then they outscored them 20 to 18 in the final quarter to win 61 to 59, 44 points in the second half versus only 17 in the first half. If that doesn't tell you that they went in at halftime and they talked about some things and they got on the same page, I don't know what's going to tell you that. Uh, Abby Beeman, uh, again, with only 10 shots, I think what was uncharacteristic that I left out in the Southern Miss game was she wasn't at the free throw line a lot and she went four for six from the line here in only 10 shots. She finished with 17 points. Uh, Ro- uh, Rochella Scott only had four points over four from three, two for 16 from the field, no foul shots. Only four points. If that's not a thing to tell you, your leading scorer almost game in, game out has four points. Someone else stepped up. Where'd they get it? Sydney Scott, five for six from the field, four for five from three point land, one for one from free throw. She missed a total of one shot yesterday and ended up with 15 points and three rebounds. Let me just read off the last minute. Okay. 55 seconds of this game. All right. 55 seconds. Uh, Marshall, Abby Beeman hits a layup to put the herd down 59 to 58. Okay. So we're down by one. Three, with, one. One with, yeah. 
down by one with less than a minute to go. And now the following is a list of the plays, play-by-play stuff, okay? Uh, you got a timeout by UL Monroe, then uh, a missed jump shot by UL Monroe, Mahogany Matthews block, Sydney Scott defensive rebound, Mahogany Matthews made layup to put the herd up 60-59, to 59. timeout UL Monroe, missed jumper by UL Monroe, Mahogany Matthews block, uh, foul, foul on UL Monroe. Mahogany Matthews with one second to go, makes a free throw, misses the second, no time on the clock, defensive rebound, Mahogany Matthews defensive rebound, end of the game. Defensive stand, couple of blocks in there. They're playing the foul game, but that's you hold off with several big defensive plays by Mahogany Matthews down the stretch. That's how you close out a game again when your leading scorer is having an off night or one of your two leading scorers is having an off night. I'd like to rewind it just a little bit further. At two minutes and two seconds left, ULM hits a jumper, and they go up 59-54. to 54. That would be the last points they scored. The last two minutes and two seconds, we did not give up a point. We scored seven in the last two minutes and two seconds to come out with a victory. Again, We've said yeah, we've said everything <laughs> that we can. You use the word "eked out a win." A win is a win. You know they find a way to win. That's what you want to do. You yeah. eke out a win, then you come from behind, and and uh, that's not eking. That's uh, taking a win from someone else. You know you're you're in their house and you took a win from them and put a win over in your column. So great, great week. Uh, you will be able to see them on Saturday, but uh, it's, well, on ESPN, you'll be able to see them. I do not have up who they are playing. Oh, do have- I do. Yeah, Arkansas yeah. State Saturday at 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. All right. So before you go over to the cam, which is going to be sold out, and we're going to talk about the men's game, warm up by watching our women play on ESPN+. Plus. Hopefully they're going to get another road victory fun team to watch after you get done with that time to go over pregame a little bit for the cam and watch our sold out men's basketball team which we're going to talk about now a uh, little bit of a rough two games two overtime games um and we ended up um in that first overtime game on Saturday, mm-hmm. we scored, was it the first 13 points, the first 11 points? In yeah, it was at least the first 11, I think. I mean, I was watching it, and the, first of all, the end of regulation was wild. You know, it's sure. one errant yeah. pass. If, if that if that inbound pass gets completed, this game's over. Yeah, right? this yeah. game's over. Just a little bit too short of a pass as they were throwing it, uh, trying to throw over the, the player's head to Kenzie around half court. Yes. So, but you get into overtime and it was just like, all right, game on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Arkansas State forgot to show up for overtime. I mean, they were obviously on the floor, but it was right out of the gate. Boom. Three, three pointer by Andy Taylor. And then Tavion Kinsey rips off like the next eight or nine points or seven points or something like that. And Taylor rips off another six points. I mean, they just, they dominated overtime. They were like, all right, enough fooling around. So it was it was a different type deal uh, than what we'll talk about, you know, against UL Monroe at, the, at home. But in that game against Arkansas State, I mean, a lot of scoring by a lot of guys. Uh, Kenzie has 23. Andy Taylor has 27, tying his season high. 
uh, one point off of his career high in a herd uniform, obviously. And Kerfman goes for 16 on 50% from three-point range. They, I mean, the, the guys that needed to score scored when it mattered most, right, at the end and in overtime. But uh, this Arkansas State team was like we were talking about with the herd women. They hung around in this game, just kept hanging around, hanging around, and they had an opportunity to win at the end. And I'm, I'll be lying to you if I thought that I wasn't going to hear a whistle on that layup at the end of regulation to put them on the line for a chance to win with no, basically no time on the clock, but didn't happen. Went to overtime and Marshall took care of business. That was impressive, uh, you know, to kind of let Arkansas state back in that one, send it to overtime and then Marshall to come out and be like, all right, this one's ours. Enough fooling around. Yeah. Taylor opened up at overtime with a three and then Kenzie hit a jumper. Kenzie hit another jumper. Kenzie hit a layup. Uh, Kenzie hit another jumper. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, we didn't end the scoring, but Kenzie ended the scoring. Jacob Connor hit a, a couple of free throws. They hit the first 13. Oh, no, it was more than that. Uh, they, that was 13. Oh, no, okay. Avery Feltz hit a three right after that with 44 seconds left to get their first points the overtime. We hit our first 13 points. Yep. And then uh, Taylor hit a free throw, and we ended up winning 87 to 78. Um, dominating fashion in overtime. Now, should it have gotten to overtime? No, probably not. No, and we're we're going to talk about that again in what happened at the ULM game for the men last night. I was there, and um, in what should have been a game that never made it to overtime, and went to not not only to overtime but two overtimes. And I have to say. My reaction last night, I was the one tweeting from our account at the game <laughs> with the rebound, uh, the score total, you know, yeah. uh, as I was doing that. And one, I said that it was horrible officiating. The refs were probably ignorant of the rules. They were definitely blind and all that. I stand by that for what happened down the stretch, uh, which I'll talk about in a second. But I do have to say, early in the game while I'm watching this, I thought to myself, we are getting every call. When they were fouling, we were getting it. And sometimes it happens that way. So ULM fans may have been watching that and saying, man, we're getting screwed. They're calling everything on us. That's kind of the way it works. But let me tell you what I saw when we were up 74 to 70. And we had uh, 23, almost 24 seconds left in the game. Their player that ended up scoring 30-some points, Blackman, Mm -hmm. drives toward the baseline. And for those of you that are not watching on YouTube, I've got my hands up. Cam Kerfman was standing with his hands up, and he was just there going to take a charge or whatever, but he definitely wasn't fouling. Blackman did what I wouldn't call a full Euro step, but went away from him. But in doing that, he lost the ball himself. It went off of him. He threw his hands in the air in a big production. It went out of bounds. It should have been our ball. At that point, you inbound the ball. You take your foul shots. You're up four to six points. Game seems to be over. Nope, that ref called a foul. They showed it on the overhead scoreboard. It was not a foul. I don't know what in the hell Cam Kerfman could have done. Besides just he was standing there like a statue, and the guy went by him, and didn't he didn't touch him, not with a mm-hmm. leg, not with an arm. And they called it a foul. So, of course, this player who was red hot 
uh, Blackman hits both free throws. We go to inbound the ball. We're still up, I don't know, 13 seconds to go at this point. We're up by two. All you got to do is inbound it, get fouled, hit a couple of free throws. So we're throwing it into Kerfman, who's pretty much money from the free throw line. The ULM player held his jersey for three full seconds as he was trying to run to get the ball. It was right in front of a ref. They didn't call it. That should have been a, a foul, maybe even a technical foul, which would give us possibly four shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kerfman didn't get to the ball on the inbound. It, it was a loose ball. It got stolen. The guy takes it immediately up for a layup, ties up the game, and we go to overtime. It should have never gone to overtime. That's why I was so upset with the, the refs. I've never seen that at the end where they just said, you know what, that's a foul for you standing there. And you know what? That's not a foul for him holding the player back by his jersey. <laughs> That's assault, brother. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ryan, Ryan Taylor, I thought he was all the way up at half court, you know, pointing him like he's holding his jersey. I mean, uh, it could not have been more blatant. And it yeah. was right in front of the rest. And I just have to say, too, man, I've been to several games. I've watched just about every game on ESPN Plus, And we have a major problem with the clock this year. They had to stop and review. They had to reset the shot clock and stuff like that. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's operator error. I don't know if it's a, a mechanical error, but it really took us out of the flow last night in that. And that's that's my observations from mm-hmm. being there on the foul situation and the several games that I've watched and all of them that I've watched on on TV. We have a problem with the uh, with the clock. Well, I was not able to see any of this game last night. And then when I got uh, in the position to where I could finally check on it, it was over. And initially I thought the herd had won because on the ESPN app, they had the women's score ahead. You know, I was like, oh, great. They won a close one. It was close. And yeah. then I come to find out they did not win. <laughs> and yeah. then I saw the flood on the timeline of people, you know, usually I take the, um, oh, the refs are ha- horrible because my team's losing, you know, tweets with a grain of salt because that right. seems to be the go-to. So I didn't have any frame of reference about anything that had happened, but hearing what you were saying, it sounds like it was pretty merited, you know, because yeah. uh, you're not a guy who looks for an excuse, right? No. Like you get beat, you get beat. Right. Uh, but you know, when it's things that are super egregious like that and, and it's like, okay, you missed one. Ah, all right. That kind of sucked. Well, you missed two that changed the trajectory of the game and ultimately end in a loss for the herd. Well, then you get a little bit more vocal about it. But here's what I'll say about that. Um, even though it sucks, right? Marshall was streaking. They were doing well. Maybe they need this loss, right, to to, mm-hmm. to go to work a little bit right here to, to finish out the season. I'm not saying they're not working hard. I'm, none of that. Right. But you get this attitude like, oh, okay, so they want to try to take it away from us now. So yep. now we have to – now we have to work. Oh, it's, we're the new kids on the block. We're the first-year Sunbelt team. They don't want us to – whatever you got to tell yourself. Whatever galvanizes that locker room a little bit to go out and just dominate even more, to leave no doubt, to not let a game be so close, to win in spite of referees maybe calling it a little one-sided. Maybe not. Maybe it's perception. Whatever. But just taking care of your business, dominating in a in a more, more uh, um, well, dominating fashion. Maybe it's a good thing, right? It's it's better that this loss happens now than in uh, Sunbelt Conference yep. first round of the tournament. Yeah. You know? 
So and you, I'll might, tell you. you might see this be an, a galvanizing driving force that motivates this team and does turn them into an NCAA tournament team. Maybe. Yeah. And where can we work on uh, something? Number one, boxing out and rebounding. We got dominated on the boards the last three games, and it has been trending in that direction. But we are not boxing out. We're not getting those uh, tipped balls to ourselves. Seems like uh, people in the low post are trying to bully us around, but our shooters are not following our shots. And we got out-rebounded by a total of 21 rebounds last night. Yeah. It, it was very similar in the uh, Arkansas State game. And we got out-rebounded by quite a bit. I don't remember the the totals, but uh, I think it was 13 to 17 rebounds against Texas State. So we've got to do a better job on the boards. Also last night we had a lot, and this could have been, you know, I'm I'm not a baller anymore. I'm not on the court anymore. Uh, never was all that good in the first place. <laughs> but like you, uh, you were a baller? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was. Come on, I, I balled. Yeah, it is Little League, but I tore it up. But, uh, <laughs> no, um, with, uh, with the dribbling and the penetration and, like, just the general ball handling, there was a lot of loose balls that we lost, turnovers. Even if we got them back, it took away some sure baskets or allowed the defense to have more time to come out and defend us and mm-hmm. things like that. So just – Little things like that, shoring up your ball handling and blocking out, rebounding, kind of the basics. Maybe maybe we had with the road trip, maybe so many wins in a row. I don't know. Yeah. All, all I know is it's been a problem the last couple of games, and neither of those games go to overtime if we're not out-rebounded by more than a dozen rebounds, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a little refocus, a little attention to detail, you know, taking care of the little things again, the, the things that were getting you those wins that maybe you're not paying as close attention to as you were when this win streak started. Well, now you got to start a new one. So you got to refocus, recalibrate, and come out ready to roll. Uh, anyway, you slice it. Another big opportunity is coming up this Saturday, and it's a sellout crowd. You're going to have an opportunity to win a couple seats from us, right? Seven o'clock tip. ESPN Plus, heard setting at 17 and 5. Still plenty of momentum on this season. Uh, everything is still in front of them. They can still be a top seed in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They can still win the, win the Sunbelt Conference and the Conference Tournament or the and go to the NCAA Tournament. All of it's still there. So there's no reason not to pack the house out and see another win streak get started. Yeah. Final thing that I want to say about men's basketball is uh, we've, we've had – Kenzie being our, our dominant player for a while, but uh, we've also had Cam Kerfman hitting those seven threes, uh, different things going on over these last few games. But um, last night when we were struggling, we were not playing Marshall's offense and Kenzie basically took the game over uh, at the end of the game to keep us in it or to scratch along and come back, whatever it was. Uh, it was him. So we didn't get the the victory that we wanted, but it's things like that where you know that one of our players can can take over a game, whether it's Kerfman, whether it's Taylor, whether it's uh, uh, Han Logton, whether it's Kinsey. We, we've seen that at various different times, and I just feel like that come tournament time, we're still going to be a problem. We oh, just for got, sure. We just got some things we got to sure up. For sure. For sure. If that's all we got, man, let's uh, take us, wrap it up and take us out of here. 
Yeah. So no matter where you see us, if you see us at the camp, if you see us at the Joan, if you see us over at the Chris Klein Athletic Complex for uh, track and field, no matter where you see us, we're always going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>